and welcome to the Aston University Film and Book Society podcast. I'm Chloe, President of Film and Book, and this is our first podcast of 2021. We are kicking things off with the theme, the classics, and we'll be discussing Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, as well as the literary canon, veganism and sustainability in books. We are joined by a member of our society, as well as two members of the Aston University Vegan Society. So before we kick things off, would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Thanks, Chloe. Hi, guys. My name is Lakshita. I'm heading the Vegan Society. I'm the president for the Vegan Society. Uh, I've been a vegan for an year now. And uh, I was basically a hardcore non-vegetarian and I turned to veganism. So it's been somewhat of a difficult ride. But yes, I've been able to do it. And it's actually easier to do it here because uh, UK is like the world leader in veganism right now. And every supermarket I go to, Tesco, all the Sainsbury, they have like a huge range of vegan products now. So it's getting easier by the day. And uh, why I started this was uh, mainly uh, because of animals, for my love for animals and sustainability issues, obviously, because uh, meat industry is one of the top uh, contributors to carbon footprint in the environment so yes uh, so that's been my vegan journey till now and i'm hoping a lot more people sign up veganuary and like sign up for our society and take the cause forward with us hey guys this is chitran and uh, like i'm the social media secretary of a aston vegan society and honestly like uh, i had no idea about veganism before like akshita said this to me like i mean i introduced the topic the stuff and uh, all the like uh, big changes that's happening in the world right now so i'm not a vegan honestly like i'm quite a flexitarian uh, i've always been a flexitarian uh, like of course like coming from india like uh, we are quite flexitarian like having uh, equal amounts of veggies and non vegetarian like mostly chicken or uh, lamb meat at the time so after coming to know about this like um, basically i wanted to join the society for some experience in marketing and stuff but now like i'm getting to know a lot of uh, new insights about uh, sustainability veganism the carbon footprint and the impact it's having on our world right now so um, so i wish i, I could uh, uh, spread the message and i could work on it myself my name's Laika and I'm part of the Aston Film and Book Society. I study English literature and history and unfortunately I am not a vegan. <laughs> <laughs> I actually am a vegan so I'm afraid you're outvoted Laika. Um, well, my vegan journey is quite complicated actually. I first went vegan when I was 16, didn't know enough about it, didn't know what I was doing. I basically ate vegetables all day every day so I lost a ridiculous amount of weight, was ridiculously tired all the time so I had to stop after about five months of doing it because it just wasn't sustainable and then throughout sixth form I kind of, I kind of kept the sort of flexitarian attitude of I sort of went for one vegan meal a day one vegetarian one sort of high protein sort of meat-based meal a day and then when I first went off to university which I first went in 2018 I went back to veganism after about a month of being there um, and I've been I've been I went off in about early 2019 because um, I ended up moving back home for a little bit and I found it just so difficult to be able to stay in like a vegan lifestyle while living at home and I found it quite daunting on my parents having to buy all this extra food that they weren't going to eat anyway just for me and so I felt really bad about it um, but then I went back when did I go back like the summer of 2019 I turned back vegan and I've been vegan ever since then now and I am still living back at home again I was at Aston for a little bit which I found so much easier to be vegan just like doing your own shopping 
and sorting yourself out and now I'm back home so it's a little bit more difficult to be honest and hopefully hopefully I won't be living at home too much often because I love my family don't get me wrong but I've been losing it in this lockdown to be honest um do you want to share some of the socials you do in the vegan society hi um so uh, right now we are more uh, concentrated on um virtual events because uh, because of the covid we obviously cannot give a full uh, full range of experiences to people going taking them to restaurants and cafes but what we are doing is uh, we are trying to promote a lot of vegan food that uh, departments are offering because just like us just like i when i came to the uk uh, when you come it's better if, you, if there's someone who can help you out with it where you can source your products from where you can source your food from where you can go and get those vegan products so what we are trying to do is uh, get a lot of information out there on our social media and get posts out there uh, posts continuously about uh, these supermarkets that are offering the kind of vegan products and what kind of vegan products they're offering for students like us it is easier to have uh, frozen food for example because you don't have a lot of time to cook uh, i we recently posted a po- we recently posted about aldi who's all uh, offering vegan pizzas now it's just like recently come up on their um, range of products so this is what we do and then we also uh, try and have uh, vegan cook offs where people can cook together and then have people our members post in what they're cooking what vegan meals they're cooking post it on the social media so just to engage let them know that this is what they can do if they are uh, if they want to convert or even just go through the journey just to make it easier for them to know that it there there's help available if they want to and this is how you can do it okay so i tried to think of a really nice segue from segue segue from veganism into pride and prejudice but if there wasn't really one available so it's going to be a rather abrupt change of topic i do apologize for that so Pride and Prejudice um, was obviously written by Jane Austen in the Regency period and is a part of the English literary canon, which, quick definition, is a collection of works by which authors are measured in terms of literary skill and value. The accepted body of work that comprises the canon of Western literature has evolved and changed over the years. However, for centuries it was populated primarily by white men and was not representative of Western culture as a whole. Over time, some works become less prominent in the canon as they are replaced by more modern counterparts. Um, and also, there'll be some texts who um, that weren't very well received at the time or not seen as important, so weren't in the canon at the time, but later become a part of. So when Jane Austen was first writing, she wouldn't have been seen as part of the literary canon, but now obviously she's probably one of the most prominent and well-read authors in the English-speaking world. And as we were talking about earlier, her work has been adapted so many times, not just in Western media, but in also the Bollywood version of Pride and Prejudice <laughs> as well. Um, so she's a very well-known author in terms of canon. And so before talking about Pride and Prejudice a little bit, I just want to talk about the impact of the English canon particularly on schools because um the curriculum the english curriculum is very much based around what is within the canon and while there is certainly more diversity within the canon than there used to be it's still primarily dominated by white male men and the diversity that is apparent is often a sort of one note diversity so you'll get an author like Oscar Wilde who is a gay man but he is still a white male and then authors such as Jane Austen or the Brontes who are women yay but they're also still white middle class women so you often get one note 
of diversity as well. So I wanted to hear your opinions on the canon because some people love it and think, well, it's the best representation of English literature that we have, which in one sense it is, but also it can it can often deprive people of a wider literary reading. Particularly, I think for me, because I I studied English literature A level. All my texts, apart from one that I studied, were part of the canon, and they were all written by white British and Irish authors. And because of that, when I first started to tear away from A-level and go to uni, I would often stick with my literary reading within the canon. And I only recently, recently really, through joining the society, have really been able to diversify my literary reading and come outside of the canon. So I wanted to hear um, your opinion on the canon and maybe any impact it's had on your literary reading. Yeah, I would definitely say that the uh, canon is an introduction to British culture because literature is such like a huge part of British culture in itself, isn't it? Like the Romantics and Shakespeare. But I'd say that it hasn't actually had too much of an impact on my reading. Like I know that works such as such as people like Charles Dickens or Jane Austen. I've always thought of those to be like a harder text to read. And I think that is due to the fact that they are in the canon. So you always you always have like higher esteem for those sort of novels I've always thought and I thought that other sort of works like YA or fiction were sort of lesser compared to them so I think it definitely like it warps how you like judge different books even though you might enjoy a book of saying you still value one book or your reading of it like higher than another I say you'd be more proud to tell someone oh I read A Tale of Two Cities rather than I've read Harry Potter yeah like literature of a capital L versus literature it's like you'd much rather mm-hmm. sit on a train reading a Dickens then the latest YA fantasy dystopian book is like you'll feel like you'll get judged yeah yeah but I do actually like the canon kind of like I feel some of the books that are in there definitely do deserve to be in there it'd yeah. be better if they were just diversified and like you said on more than one note yeah we're jumping to Pride and Prejudice because it's my favourite novel I won't <laughs> lie I was just talking about how bad the canon is but I love Austen I love Pride and Prejudice I love everything Georgian I'm ridiculously obsessed um, so one of my favourite elements about Pride and Prejudice and Austen's writing in general is her use of wit and sarcasm and comedic characters throughout it. And I think that really um, distinguishes her from a lot of other authors. So I wanted to know if you guys picked up on the humour, if you liked the humour, if you didn't like it. I really liked it, personally. Especially Mr Bennett. He was like one of the a really funny character so him and his funny. wife it was yeah how he just sits there and ridiculous just constantly going on fits of madness and he's just there like okay okay it's so funny <laughs> I liked her use of irony as well like she had that that was like a really prominent thing throughout I thought they're a bit mean to her sisters though like in a comedic way but still like the younger ones it's so bad for Mary it's like she's just ignored yeah. it's like why was she even written as a sister they put her in just to say that she's ugly and then that's it <laughs> like, they didn't say anything else about her yeah how bad for her I I actually like to, I am going to talk from the movie point of view I actually like the character of Mr Bingley a lot he was like always like so funny and like all dazed and like oh what's happening here what's happening there and just like hopping around and like so like he, he brought a lot of life like in a in a comical way he brought a lot of life into the movie <laughs> and that he was a very funny character so one criticism of Pride and Prejudice is that it's very much within its own bubble and what 
in terms of context, what is happening in the world around them in the time Austin's writing is not really picked up on any of Austin in Austin's work. So one of the most prominent being obviously the Napoleonic Wars that were taking place during the time Austin's writing has no effect on the characters. The characters never mention it. It doesn't influence any decisions they make, despite the fact that there was a regiment placed um, within the novel for, mo- for quite a significant part of it. There's never any mention of the Napoleonic Wars. So I was wondering if you felt that lack of co- of context and perhaps the novel would have benefited from having more historical context and showing how what takes place in the world impacted the characters and their motivations. I think that's a good point. But at the same time, I think like whilst reading it, you get so caught up in like the little story and what's actually happening in their like small towns and everything that you don't even realise or really care about what's going on around them. But I think that's like kind of a thing throughout Austin's work because in Emma as well that was only like two years written two years later I think and she didn't really mention any historical context in that either and um, I don't think that she did so I think that's just like sort of her writing style as well maybe I think at the time like the male authors tended to focus more on wider events in the world but I don't know if that's just her I, I actually echo your feeling because I was going to say the same thing that since there's so many characters, right, and mm-hmm. they are quite interesting and cu- quite contrasting. So you really want to know what's happening with each of the characters and what they are going to do next and what's happening between the lead characters, how they, their story is evolving or going to evolve. Mm-hmm. So I personally didn't care a lot about how the outside environment or the world outside was impacting them because I was too engaged in knowing what's happening between them, what's going to happen, how their story is going to unfold. So for most of your responses, I'm going to gauge that you quite liked the novel. So maybe, maybe this question <laughs> is, I've, I've already got an obvious answer, but do you think um, Pride and Prejudice still deserves its place within the canon or should it be left in Georgian Regency periods? Yeah, I definitely say it still deserves its place in the canon. Like, I'd say, I say it's a good reflection of its time compared to like other novels of its time, maybe because it shows what was going on in like with the upper middle class, what their thoughts and feelings were at the time. And I think it's been, it's really like held itself. It, it still stands up today. Maybe it's not as relatable as it would be back then, but people can still like find enjoyment in it. So I'd say that it still deserves to be there since it's withstood time. Did you prefer Elizabeth or Darcy? This is this is an important question. Who did you prefer? I I, I prefer Elizabeth, obviously. <laughs> I like her spirit in the movie. She's the only one who's like not adhering to the rules and bounds of that era and like doesn't 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 mind speaking her mind. So I, I really like that in her and I'm a feminist myself, so I even enjoy her uh, uh, character even more. I'm like, yeah, you go girl. <laughs> Give it back to her. <laughs> She's my favorite character as well. So basically, like uh, you know, completely she was unconventional. Like uh, where the rest of men and women were completely like, you know, being historical and uh, like giving more sentimental values and being uh, what do they say this like being gentlemen uh, kind of things. And she was like really yeah, come on, like uh, I don't care what you're gonna say. It's like what I feel. And even while she rejected Mr. Collins' proposal in the beginning. And then, like, when Mr. Darcy would propose her, like, when they would be on the tour, like, when they would visit Mr. Darcy's residence. So those stuff were, like, really, like, I mean, you know, like, 
it was like punching on the face. I mean, she was so courageous, and of course, like they were spellbound. They had nothing else to do at that, that point of time. So uh, and also like uh, you know when talking about humor and wit, like I really enjoyed like uh, Elizabeth's uh, mom, like uh, Mrs. Uh, Bennett. So she was like, you know, every time in any kind, like uh, let it say, like uh, Jane being proposed or like Elizabeth's proposals or uh, the other stuff, like they were all like getting behind the door, like eavesdropping, and suddenly uh, when whenever her daughters give out either a positive or a negative remark to the proposal, like she banged in, she was either happy or she was like chasing Elizabeth, especially when Mr. Collins proposed, she was chasing her all the way to the farm. So those were like one of uh, the favorite highlights for me and. I liked Elizabeth for the same reason, but I loved Mr. Darcy as well, like, this is a typical romantic hero, and he was just, he was hilarious as well, though, like, how can you propose to someone by insulting their entire family, like, to their face, and then be surprised or angry when they say no, like, what was he expecting? I think he was funny, like, the whole book, like, the miscommun- miscommunication, his part, was just him being awkward, basically, if he just, like, spoke normally, then the book would have been a lot shorter, I'd say. Yeah, but then we wouldn't have got all the humour of him just not getting stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I think my favourite, I feel like in pop culture, maybe it's just me, but I feel like um, Mr. Darcy is placed a little bit higher than Elizabeth. And I feel like that's because obviously the point of view is from Elizabeth. And although I find Elizabeth a far more intriguing, interesting character, there's a certain mystery to Mr. Darcy because we only find out what he's thinking through Elizabeth then we're like oh my god it was that so we're having the same revelation at the same time as Elizabeth so I think we find him as intriguing as Elizabeth does but then from a reader perspective Elizabeth is a lot more interesting but I think we're just tricked into thinking Darcy is so obviously it's from her point of view so if you asked me this question a few years ago I would have said Darcy but now I have a greater appreciation for Elizabeth I think it's because I first watched it when Keira Knightley was performing it and I've got mixed feelings about Keira Knightley so <laughs> I think it may have been that. I agree with you. I have I, I don't actually have mixed feelings. I don't particularly like her. <laughs> I don't understand what she did to deserve this. No, hate she, I don't get people. it either. I don't get it. I don't know what it is. It's just some, sometimes I'm just a bit like, mm, mm, I don't know. It's just every film she's in. I, I've I, mixed feelings. I'm like, you're a great actress, but there's something off. Hmm. <laughs> I know there's something like when she's, I'm just like, talk like this. I don't know. I have this voice. <laughs> I can't describe it. Maybe it's the way she speaks and holds herself. It's yeah. almost as if she thinks she's better than everyone. You know, she's not. Yeah. But the way she holds herself, she does give off this impression that, oh, I'm better than everyone. And I think it's because she's always in every romantic drama of the time as well. It's a bit like, can you do something else, please? The only movie I've actually liked her in is, I don't know if you've, uh, if you've seen that movie. It's called Begin Again. It has Mark Ruffalo in it. So the only movie I've liked it in that because that the story is really good and I like Mark Ruffalo. So. <laughs> my my favourite film with her in it is The Imitation Game. I thought she was really good ah. in The Imitation Game. But because she's not the typical Kira Knightley character in The Imitation Game, is she? So the thing she's is, like a badass mathematician woman. I'm just as smart as you, Cherin. Calm down. I think we like the character she plays. She's very smart in picking up the characters, but we don't really like her per se. <laughs> Okay, she gets good characters, but we don't like Kira Knightley. Got it. So I wanted to ask what uh, your expectations of Friday and Prejudice were before you watched or read it, and whether they were met, exceeded, if it was completely different from what you were expecting. I thought it was going to be terrible. 
I know because in the conversation like last year and I, mm-hmm. I was talking about Pride and Prejudice and you came in and was like oh, it's just about white people getting married and I was like yes it's about white people getting married but that's not but the- now I have a new appreciation for yeah, why getting joking, married like I thought I was mad because I went on a proper rant about it honestly but now you've read it and you get it no so really Elizabeth definitely made it better like I think last time like you said I was so caught up on like my expectations of having heard about the characters before that I didn't really pay much attention to them. Like, do you know what I mean? I already had like an image of them in my mind beforehand, but when I read it this time, I was a bit older as well. So I definitely had much more appreciation for what the characters are saying. And I think I picked up on the humour more than I did before, because before I found it boring, but now it's actually pretty funny. Well, I initially thought it was going to be like a historical thing. Of course, it's a historical thing, but uh, I was thinking it's going to be more of explaining the British culture and something into too much into it. And uh, like uh, uh, I was expecting like yeah, a romantic story where the father or someone like they would be against it or uh, like uh, it's going to be more of a status issue where the snobs, they look down upon uh, the people. Well, even though there were glimpses of these, like uh, the story was quite smooth, I would say. Because the way, like, apart from the struggles they go through, like, there were more of a clash between uh, uh, the snobs and uh, the middle class people. So, uh, initially, like, that's what, that was the impression I had about, like, uh, the cultural and uh, uh, other, like, indifferences their two families had. Not just the families, apart from that, like, everyone belonging to the plot, the plot of the movie. So, um, after that, yeah, it was, like, it wasn't as... Uh, like intense as I expected it, but it was like so good romantically. And of course, like, uh, well, uh, especially like uh, wondering like when the book was initially published, like at that point of time, it should have been a great deal, uh, shouldn't it? Like right now, of course, like when we look back, we were like, yeah, it's a normal thing now. It's uh, like really like, you know, cool to like uh, meet people, like get committed to them or break up or stuff like that. And back then, like it was really like more ethical, like uh, the way they approach women and their families and the way like they get like um, you know, tie the knot or uh, get engaged and married. So, yeah, that was that was how like uh, I could get it now. For me, I started by watching the Bollywood version of Pride and Prejudice. I really loved it. I watched it like some four or five times because everyone's everyone's Indian in that plot, except for Mr. Darcy. Mr. Darcy is white. Everyone else is Indian. <laughs> Is that a Bollywood version? I didn't know. Yeah, it's called Bride and Prejudice. I didn't know Mr. Darcy was boy and everyone else is Indian. Yeah, so in the Indian version, everyone's Indian. Everyone from A to Z is Indian, except for Mr. Darcy. He's the white man. He's the only white man in the whole movie. Okay. And I love I'll watch it as well. I'll yeah, watch. Just send me. I, like, I, is it in Netflix? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. I think it is. So is it like a big issue that he's white? Like, do they make a big thing out of it? Or is it just like, he's white, let's move on? No, no, no. So the story is the same. The story yeah. is that uh, all these girls, the mom really wants her girls to be wed into a rich family. And Mr. Darcy and Mr. Bingley both are... Oh my God, an Indian version of Mrs. Bennett would just be the best thing ever. How have I not watched this before? Oh my God, I just realised that. You have to, okay, so you have to watch the Bollywood version because I think Bollywood version is a blown up version of, uh, of the mom. She's like full on. So the story is the same. Is this two rich guys coming and she trying to get her daughters uh, into into matrimony with these guys? So white or no white isn't isn't an issue. It's just money, rich guys coming in. So I just wanted to watch the real like the British version, like Pride and Prejudice, because Indian version is Pride and Prejudice. So I wanted to watch the British version Pride and see how how different is it. 
but actually it's not that uh, disappointing obviously i am saying that because there are no songs and all <laughs> no jazz no glamour but it is quite uh, interesting it is quite funny it's it's quite similar that way cool i've got some stuff to do for the weekend then thank you i would watch it if i didn't have my assignments to get done but I'll, I'll do I'll do it like a treat. Normally I have a drink after I hand hand in assignments, but I'll watch that as my. You've done your assignment treats, but you've never watched any Bollywood movie you've seen, right? So, okay, you're gonna laugh at me, but the Slumdog Millionaire count. <laughs> you, you're all gonna like shake your head at me, Slumdog Millionaire. I actually think it's really what I've watched. Oh, cliche. Slumdog Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire isn't a Bollywood movie, right? You're just no. Since you know the story and you can draw a comparison, it'll be interesting to watch uh, *Bride and yeah, Prejudice*. I think. Yeah, I always, I always do intend to watch Bollywood films. It never, it never happens. I don't know why. I think it's because I never know the good ones from the bad ones. I end up probably clicking on a bad one, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> and I just get done with it. We can no, give you some recommendations. We'll give you. Yeah, <laughs> I should have done the Bollywood week to be fair. So, do we all have favourite characters, or is everyone on a level playing field, or is it just? Elizabeth again because I have a favourite character who isn't Elizabeth but I wanted to hear what your favourite characters were. Actually I like the dad a lot. Mr Bennett. I really liked him. Nice man just like chilling away from all the hustle and bustle and doesn't give a crap about anything. <laughs> just like in inside like okay do whatever you want to I'm just gonna chill and be a nice man and just like Whenever and the like in the last, he's like so emotional with Elizabeth. I really like that character. He doesn't give a. F- yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like, enjoying his time. Like, okay, you guys handle yeah. everything. That's right. Like my favorite character is Elizabeth. Her mom, her mom, because of the funny stuff. Like she is so funny. And uh, apart from that, Elizabeth, because of uh, her courage, her badass attitude, you know. those kind of stuff and uh, like akshita said yeah mr uh, uh, elizabeth far as i'm sorry and so bad with remembering names mr bennett yeah i mean he's uh, he is like cool but not cool just like uh, what akshita said like he's always in his study room and every time like he's like uh, and moreover like it's more of a matriarch isn't it like it's elizabeth's mom who has the control like yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, all yeah. she had to do is like just uh, put a word to her husband and like yeah that's it so she's the one who takes decisions and stuff and also like uh, like you know supporting elizabeth uh, even while uh, she rejected mr collins mm-hmm. yeah he was like uh, yeah of course like you got like well, you're going to be like uh, go against one of your parents today you're going to like be a rival or something like you know going against them so it's like if you're going to choose mr collins uh, if you're not going to choose your mom's going to be uh, not going to speak to you and if you <laughs> choose like i'm going to no, i'm not going to speak to you so those stuff it was like really good So yeah, these three people, uh, these three characters are my favorite. I really like Jane as well. I thought she was so sweet. Sometimes yeah, she's too cool. annoying though because she's just like she's too nice to people. Like people <laughs> insulting you, they're like trying to break you up with Mr. Pinky, and you're just sitting there accepting it. But I did like her. Her Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy are probably my favorite. I get it. I, I actually get that two two nice people can be too annoying sometimes. Yeah. Shake them up and be like, do something. It's okay. Don't be so nice. <laughs> yeah, isn't that what people are nice? You're like, you're not actually that nice. You're just holding it down. Stop trying to act like you're better. We all know you're mad. No, my favorite character is um Mr. Collins because I just Mr. think he's completely. 
I just think he's completely ridiculous and I love it. He's ridiculous in every single sense of the word. Throughout, like when he's trying to call Elizabeth, when he's with, oh, what's Elizabeth's friend's name who he marries? I've completely forgotten. Whatever her name is. And like he marries her and then even wants her um, off with, so, and then even when he's with um, Lady Catherine de Burr, and he's still completely ridiculous there. He's like, he's so up everyone and yet he's really up himself and he's just all like and his hair's like greasy throughout the whole movie as well and I love it I don't know why I love it I just love it I just love his ridiculousness I think he's hilarious I basically just take the piss out of him whenever I'm constantly reading or watching I'm just constantly taking the piss out of him so I, I, I think it's more just me being not the nicest person in the world why he's my favourite character um so I'm going to jump on to sustainability in books I, I don't know how how big of readers you all are I'm quite a big reader um and I was wondering how you do most of your reading so do you on kindle do you get books from the library do you buy new editions of everything yeah I'll answer that question so actually you know uh, I started reading books like um, three years ago yeah before that like I was quite allergic to books every time my parents would like uh, pester me yeah go read some books go read some novels go read some non-fiction like uh, just to like they want me to read something and I was like no why should I do that I have everything like in movies I can get some YouTube stuff like uh, why should I read something but until like uh, you know three years back my cousin my, my cousin is like a hardcore reader like he's, he's ever been like uh, ever since like when he was five or six years old he used to read a lot of like you know back then it was kids kind of books and right now like he reads a lot so he gave me this novel by james patterson sorry if i'm wrong i'm not so good with names again so uh, it was like a crime thriller novel so i read that and it was like wow it's so great i mean i took like you know three months to finish that book it took it should have taken like just two weeks to finish it and i took like three months and uh, then I was like, okay, it's good. And why not I hit a proper bookshop, go get some books. And back in India, like we've got these bookshops like uh, Crossword, which is one of the famous bookshops in India. I went there and I was like, uh, just, uh, was, I think probably it was the first time I went to, I mean, the first time I went to a bookshop to buy a book myself. So it was really amazing, that thing, like when I went through all the books, the different genres they had. And that's when I got my still it's my favorite book the alchemist i can never forget the book it was such a great book like it taught a lot i mean really taught a lot, a lot and that was like a great moral boost so then i took a commitment like yeah i'm gonna keep reading books i'm gonna keep reading novels and all the other books and then later on like uh start from novels just novels i started shifting to other non-technical i mean sorry technical like uh business kind of books which is why i got inspired and i wanted to do my business and management here in my masters because in my undergrad i was doing my engineering and now i wanted to shift to this and uh, so i think books play a really big part in my life for the it has played and it is going to play now like for the past three years and forever now but the thing is like you know after coming to the uk like uh, i bought like three books like two novels and one um, self-help book or what do you say like some kind of like a social book i would say social help book it's called the social animal so i don't know if you guys have heard of this i'm just going through this like i've just started it and that's a long way to go like you can see and the marker is still in the beginning so um, that's how i'm doing it like i'm not finding much time now that's the problem like it's quite intense with my coursework's my internship and other like you know uh, i'm also a part of uh, an actor's assistant so uh, doing all the tight work so that's how it goes. It's going right now. But I hope like I, I'll soon find some time and go snatch a lot of books. But in the UK, like I went to Waterstones, 
uh, it's here in the city center, the store, and it was so good. Like it had so much of collection. I could never find that kind of a diverse collection of books, different kind of genres in India. I've never seen a book in my place. So it was so good. And uh, I believe like this is, I mean, what a stone it looks like uh, one of the good shops and obviously the UK in this country, like they had, they ought to be like more bookshops, right? So I'm really waiting for this lockdown things to get like lifted off and I'm going to explore like shop to shop. So that's what I'm planning to do now. I don't read a lot. I'm, I'm a watcher. I'm not much of a... I'm, I'm on, <laughs> I can watch from morning till the day ends and get up and watch again. But I'm an occasional reader. And it's a cliche, but I only like thriller novels. So that I can just get it done within two days. I can just read, read, read and turn the pages. Only, thr- only thriller novels are able to like get my full attention. So I'm a cliched Sydney Sheldon fan. If I have a Sydney Sheldon book in hand, I can. I do read quite a lot, but I just tend to buy them off Amazon. Like, I find this the easiest way. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's bad, but... I think this is one of the reasons I end up reading a lot of canon books as well, because I try to buy as much as I can for my Kindle, so I'm not, like, constantly buying paper books. Um, but then the cheapest ones on Kindle are always really old, where there's no rights left to anyone anymore because they've been dead stupid amount of years and so sometimes you can get like just a lot of them for free and I think that's why I end up reading a lot of canon I, I do hate Amazon sorry I don't, I don't want to come for you but I do hate I Amazon I don't matter. I don't enjoy using it but I just you <laughs> just, you feel like a guilt within your soul I do yeah, I, try I, to, I try to buy it from independent bookstores but yeah man I just I don't have that much yeah I try if I ever want a physical copy of a book mm-hmm. um it's it's a few reasons one I'm doing an assignment on it and I just find it easier to have a physical copy it's a favorite of mine so I probably read it on my kindle and really enjoyed it um or it's a present from someone but in general I try to limit the amount of physical books I buy I'm going to throw a load of facts at you now to just I do apologize so, 2 billion books are printed in the US each year, requiring more than 30 million trees. Paper manufacturing is the third largest user of fossil fuels worldwide. Around 10 million of the trees that are killed to create books die in vain each year because the books end up getting destroyed instead of rest. And 26% of landfill waste is paper. And many of the books that um, are published and sent to bookstores, um, they just won't ever sell. They'll just they'll do bulk orders publish a certain amount they won't sell and then what bookstores can do is they'll send them back to the publisher for their money back if they don't actually um sell them and then they are broken down and then turned into recycle paper which is better than just putting them in a landfill site but a lot of energy is still wasted turning them into recycled paper so it's like it's quite I understand the appeal because I give into that appeal a lot of wanting an actual physical copy of a book but um, when when I go to buy physical copies, I try and buy them secondhand. I never have a first edition of any book unless someone's bought it me as a present. And the two websites I tend to use, I tend to use eBay a lot when I was younger and just buy secondhand copies of books from anyone. But the website I really like to use at the moment is World of Books, which you can also send old copies of your book. You, we can use World of Books right now, like regardless of COVID. So you can send your old books that you're not reading anymore to them, and you can buy. Um, any copy I've ever wanted to buy of any book they've always had on there with varying prices. It depends on the quality of the book and how old is it and how many publications they have, depending on the price. But I've never paid more. I think my most expensive one, I bought a copy of Black and British by David Olashoga, 
And I think that was £12, and that was the most expensive one. Most of them are between, like, the £4 and £5 mark. And they send the books in recyclable packaging as well, which it drives me insane. You know, we order something, and someone's just stuck it in a load of packing peanuts. Yeah. And you're like, why have you done that? Why would you do that? It just, ah, it drives me insane. So I try to stick with either my Kindle, but I know everyone doesn't have a Kindle. Or I order from World of Books. But if you honestly, if you've never if you've never heard of it or like seen the website, I would actually check it out because it's I'm probably on it the most more than any other website at the moment. I'm just constantly scrolling through like, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have? But I need to put a limit on it because my student finance only goes so far. I think I'll try using that of Amazon now then. Yeah. <laughs> Please do. They're actually quicker than Amazon a lot as well. Like they'll get it within a few days. Well, this might sound a little bit crazy, but like, you know, uh, every time I prefer like going to the bookshop and buying a fresh copy of it, paying the full price, like even though I had the opportunity to like get books for free. Mm. Well, I don't know like what kind of uh, pleasure I get from it, but it's always like I go no, there. I get, I, it. I get the draw of it. You get it right. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like, you know, I buy that. I uh, like finish it and I put it up in my racks back at home. And if like my racks get full. Uh, filled up I buy a separate like you know I have a big box a transparent box for this so I place all the books like uh, inside it I just taped up I seal it and put it on uh, like uh, in a separate place like I have and uh, my parents would be like uh, yeah what's wrong with you why don't you like go for the easy like the library books or even like uh, my dad used to get a lot of offers in other bookshops actually you know my dad myself like is my dad is an artist and he's a writer as well so uh, he used to have a lot of contacts but I would be like no I'm going to spend my money I'm going to get my own books and I'm going to get them back and even when I say like I normally don't lend books to anyone because of the fact like I don't like it when they like damage the book because not everyone like read book in a responsible way there are people like who throw it in a random place Place, the wrappers would get folded up so I hate such things so uh, there was one such time where uh, I gave it to a, f- a friend especially the alchemist book which is like still my favorite and he was like uh, you know it took him one complete year to finish it and give it uh, give it back to me and of course he wasn't in a good state so I was so annoyed <laughs> but like what else could I do I can't yell at him <laughs> so that, it was it is like I've got that kind of a personal connection with uh, the books I buy even though it sounds crazy to spend that much to it. Because I like highlighting and writing in physical books. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you <laughs> hate me. The last two books from my cyber, they've just got scribbles all over them. You'll hate me as well because I'm the sort of person that will fold over book pages. Yeah. It's like, um, if, I, if I think that page is important or if I don't have um, a bookmark to hand, I'll just fold over the page. And I did it once. It was in high school when I was in my tutor group. And the whole tutor just stared at me and just went, <gasps> and it all had such big goes at me. And I was like, guys, calm yourselves. It's just a book. It's like a 10th edition. Calm down. But when it's your copy, I feel like you can do whatever you want to. Yeah. And I like the weathered look of books. I was watching what I lied to the other day. And you know Greg Wallace, the bold guy from MasterChef? He, he reads books in his sauna so they like end up looking really Asian. <laughs> And while that's weird, I do get the appeal of having like old agey looking books on your shelves. It's like the whole dark academia vibe. That's a bit of a, a length to go to though. <laughs> yeah. No, I, even I, I like my books all prim and proper, no folding, nothing, no edges turning and everything. But uh, leave alone your personal, scribbling your personal books. I've had books from the library which are scribbled all over. Like it's a library book. Their pages were full of text highlighting it I felt like I was uh, it was a book it, it was a half blood princess book it was like that it was every 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 line was underlined and there were notes on it and this was like a strategy book 
like what what are you guys doing reading a business book <laughs> and scribbling all over it <laughs> oh it's from like our library yeah our library book oh yeah. god like total disregard oh, for that. A, this is total disregard for a rented property <laughs> your book yeah <laughs> No, I've never scribbled in a library book. When you buy secondhand books, they've always got notes in, but I'd never, I would never scribble in a library book. I like book. reading the notes from other people, though. Yeah. Kind of interesting too, Honestly, I, think. I had this one English book, and I did not, I think it was an A level, I did not get the text at all. And I literally just blagged all of my essays on it based on this person's <laughs> notes. I don't even know. That's a good strategy. Actually, I should have read what he's written in the strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I think um, right now the secondhand book um, culture might go in the current scenario with the pandemic in place. It might go down a little. People wouldn't be too enthu about buying a secondhand uh, book. So this would be a good time to move on to digital platforms and mm-hmm. try and adventure more into it and get used to it because you really don't want you don't know where the book has been and you don't want want to mm-hmm. because yeah. of yeah. So I think so. It will be a good time to shift from 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 sustainability point of view. It will be a good time to just try it out and shift mm. from. Uh, yeah, there's not as much pressure when you buy e-copies as well because they tend to be a lot cheaper. Mm. So you're like, if I hate this, it's only four pounds. It's not as bad as buying a physical copy. <laughs> but then buying the yeah. Kindle itself is. I've been bought a Kindle, so it doesn't really oh. matter for me. <laughs> like, mummy and daddy got it for me. It's fine. So. But yeah, I get the expense yeah. of buying a Kindle in the first place. My husband is actually an ardent reader. He just like keeps reading, keeps reading, keeps reading, and he loves reading. And he doesn't like, uh, and he's like a technology enthusiast also. So he doesn't like hard copies anymore. He just reads on his phone or on his Kindle. And he's been. Oh my God! Trying. How could someone read in their phone? Trust me, I would like die of headache. Like <laughs> it's so hard. He loves have, having gadgets around him. Yeah. He loves reading on gadgets. And he's been after he's been trying to get me to get this habit of reading for a very long time. Oh, the I get it. It to me is telling me that okay, this is Kindle or this. If you're reading on the phone, you know, you can highlight any words that you don't understand and just click on it, and you'll get the meaning. And just bookmark a page. You don't know any. Don't need to do anything when you're reading on a book. I know it's difficult. You need to go on Google and understand the word, but with Kindle, just do this. So easy. So I think that's the way to <laughs> market. I get it. I mean, it's from sustainability point of view. That's the way to market new digital uh, avenues to read books, Kindle, and everything. To just tell them that it's far easier to read on uh, gadgets than uh, physical books. Yeah, I mean, academic books. I'm totally fine with it, e-books and stuff. But I don't know, like when I buy like a proper fiction or non-fiction book, I I don't feel like reading a book if I do it in my laptop or uh, mm-hmm. my phone. So I don't know why I get that feeling. But yeah, like. like you're saying i need to change myself in the future obviously this isn't going to last for long we are going to go digital in the near future uh it's going to be a heartbreak in the beginning but obviously <laughs> you'll get used to it i know i know because i also all these cortex books and all these online books i do i just book from the library even if it's like a lesser edition like a four year old version just take it from the library and read it i i get that feeling but yes that's where everything is headed so you who knows in the future you'll actually have to read it on a, a tablet no choice true yeah, well, i think that's part of it i think because we were brought up on paper and, like reading in books and making physical marks it just doesn't feel right it's like mm. i just feel i don't know i just if i bookmark a page on the kindle i'm just constantly paranoid i'm going to lose it whereas if i physically bookmark a page 
I know exactly where it is. And also, whenever I read on my computer, I just feel like I, I get this assignment vibe because obviously we're constantly yeah. reading everything on our computer for like assignment. When I'm reading for pleasure, if it's on the computer, I just don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it hurts your eyes as well. Also, our generation, kids now are given phones and tablets in their hands right when they're born. Yeah. So. I think for their generation, it might be different. They might. Be but still, different. now you have a blend. Like you know, the other day I was watching this remarkable device. It's called Remarkable uh, One and Two Version. So it's basically like a tab, but it doesn't feel like a tab. It's exactly like you know the sound effects, the texture of it, everything. It's like you know you are using a notebook. You can take all your notes. You can write it down, and you can. It's like you know the slate kind of thing. The uh, some electronic kind of slate. Yeah, the thing is, like, this particular device is dedicated just for writing. You can't do anything else. You can't watch music. You can't watch videos. It's just, like, it's a basic electronic device for taking notes, saving them, documenting them. And you can even, like, you know, download PDFs and write on those PDFs and save them. So that's the best point of it. But the thing is, like, uh, it's completely dedicated for this. So you're not going to have other features like smooth transition, clicking and stuff. Like, all you can do is, like, write it down. It's not a book, but it is a book. It's something like that. Oh, I'm just looking it up. It's quite interesting, actually. No, it does sound really cool to be fair. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I, I remember seeing it now. It shows that you can actually see it as a book and just highlight something and scribble and then flip over. And it's like a tablet. Cool. Yeah. That's how it is. Because, like, normally in, like, uh, Samsung tablets or iPads, it's, like, an electronic device, which is dedicated to, like, uh, multitask, like, everything, music videos and stuff. But that would be this one notes app. So that's the problem. They aren't able to do it, like, how these guys are doing it. Whereas this one is just one thing. It's completely this. I think we'll wrap it up um, now, then. Uh, so thank you very much, guys, for joining me. I've actually had, it's probably been my favourite podcast. Don't tell everyone else who was in the podcast, but this one probably was my favourite. Um, next podcast is going to be in February, underneath the theme Black Lives Matter. Uh, so until we see you then, again, thank you for joining us. Thanks to the Vegan Society for taking part, and we'll see you next month. Bye. Thank you. Bye. See ya. episode of the Aston University Film and Book Society podcast was researched, hosted and edited by Chloe Bailey.